Well, good morning again, everybody. Glad you're here. You guys ready to do some landscaping today? It's going to be nice. Some of you are like, no, I'm nothing. No. Enjoy the sun. All right, well, we're uh, continuing a series. Again, if you're new with us, we have uh, all of our series is online. He is like, this is a, a series about the Holy Spirit and really how we can uh, understand our relationship with him. And uh, so we've been really going through uh, he is like. Today, we're going to talk about water and oil. Uh, last week, we talked about how he's like a dove and fire. He's not a dove. He's not a fire. He's not oil or water. But there's attributes of all of those things that really point to God. And that's what we're going to talk about. That's what symbols are all about. And so uh, today, we're going to talk about that. But again, if you missed any of this, you can jump right on board online, and uh, really the heart of this came from Jesus' instruction in John chapter 16 and verse 7, and so Jesus uh, really told us then, he told his disciples and us, he said, it's to my advantage, it's, or it's to your benefit that I go away, uh, and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and it goes on and really describes uh, how the Holy Spirit's going to be our helper, and what he's going to do in the world, and it really talks about this, but I, I love Jesus' instruction, it's to our benefit, it's to our advantage that he ascends into heaven. Now, that didn't make sense in the moment with the disciples. It didn't make sense that he was going to be crucified, although Jesus told them all those things, that he would die, that he'd be crucified, that he'd go into the grave, and he'd raise on the third day, and then he would stay on earth for 50 days, uh, 40 days, and then Pentecost would come on the 50th day, and the Holy Spirit would come on, on them. Now, Jesus, again, he told them all of these things, uh, but I love how he said it's to our advantage, it's to our benefit. We really need to understand the Holy Spirit. We need to understand this relationship that Jesus not only died uh, to send us and rose from the grave and ascended into heaven, but, and he went to the Father and said, send the Spirit to them. It's so important that we understand our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Now, if you haven't been with us, the Holy Spirit's not an it, he's God. He's a person. He's not some magical thing that you can't know. You can have a relationship just like you have a relationship with Jesus. Uh, you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, and he's God. And we need to understand. We need to submit. We need to walk. Uh, we need to listen. We need to obey. Uh, we need to value that relationship. And that's why Jesus said this. It's really to your benefit. It's really to your advantage to understand the Holy Spirit. And so that's where this series came from. I know there's a lot of confusion. In our first week, we really talked about some confusion, and, and we helped bring some clarity, uh, maybe some things that you've heard or just some things that come natural to our minds. Uh, so again, I encourage you to watch that. But today I want to talk about how he is like water. Now, in the Bible, if you did a study and you looked up water, you would find a ton, first of all. And I'm not just talking about physical water, although that's one of the things that talks about in the scriptures is like water baptism. It talks about physical water. Um, but water points to, it's symbolic of, of God in different ways. In fact, the word, uh, if you know anything about the Bible, uh, the word is symbolized as water, right? And so uh, in Ephesians 5, it actually tells uh, husbands to wash your wives with the water of the word, uh, with the truth and with scriptures. It's so important that we have the Lord not only leading us personally as husbands and wives, but that he's part of our marriages, he's part of our families, and that we're to protect our spouses by washing them with the water, by making sure that the truth is focused in our marriages. And so, uh, so water is really symbolic of the word of God. Uh, we know that the word of God, obviously Jesus is the word. John chapter one tells us that he's the word and the word has been with God and the word is God. And so we know that the, wor the word is described as, uh, as Christ. And we also know that water points to the word. Uh, but did you know that water also points to the Holy Spirit? In fact, Jesus teaches us this. And it's, uh, it's been one of those things where... Uh, I love how Jesus laid it out. In fact, if you've got your Bibles, you can turn to three places. John chapter 4, Luke chapter 4, and Psalm 23. And Jesus begins to instruct us in John's gospel. He actually talks to different people 
at different times, showing us how the relationship with the Holy Spirit is so important. In fact, he, he's talking in loose terms then because the Holy Spirit hadn't come to them, but he's describing what this relationship with the Holy Spirit would be like. He says this in John chapter 4, verse 13 and 14. He begins there, and he says this. Jesus answered and said to her, he's speaking to the woman at the well in Samaria, he says, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, because they're at a water well. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give in him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. So here's Jesus instructing the woman at the well. She's going to get physical water. In fact, Jesus asked her to draw up some water, and he says, look, the water I'm gonna give you is gonna be so much different than this water here. Now, how many of you guys know we all need water? We can't live without water. How many of you know on days like this when it's hot and you're doing landscaping, you need a lot of water, don't you? You're, you're down in water all the time. You, and never, you're, you're always quenching your thirst. In fact, we live in a, a, an America that lives by liquids, right? We, we can pretty much not eat and live off liquids. It's pretty crazy how we do that. But, uh, but fluids and waters are so important. John chapter 3 uh, speaks of the same, a different conversation with a different person. He's actually talking to Nicodemus, who's a very wise teacher. He's one of the best teachers out there uh, in, this, in this day and age. And Jesus answered him and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So again, he's talking about water here, but this is a little bit different because uh, most scholars believe, I, I, I believe as well, that he's talking about natural birth. You know, you, we have, where's Laura? Laura's getting ready to have a baby, right? So natural birth, right? So be praying for her. It's this week. So we're, we're excited for them to have their first baby. But most of us are, are when we talk about water, you know, your water breaks. So it's talking about natural water. In Hebrew, actually, they talk about birth as, they talk about it being born of water or born of sprinkling or those kind of things. That's, that's how they talked about it in Hebrew language. So it would have made sense in this day and age when he says, you must be born of water or born naturally. You can't be saved if you're not born, right? So, um, so that's what he's, Jesus is talking about here. He says, you must be born and you, of water and of the Spirit. So you must be born of water and of the Spirit. He cannot enter the kingdom of God without those things. Now, again, we're talking about how is the Holy Spirit like water. Watch in John chapter 7 where he ties it all together. So he has a conversation with a woman. He has a conversation with, with uh, Nicodemus. And then he's having another conversation in John chapter 7. And here's what he says in John chapter 7. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Here Jesus links water to the Holy Spirit and another way water is symbolized in the Bible is life. And Jesus says, I'm sending you, it's to your benefit that I send you the Holy Spirit because he's gonna bring a wellspring of life into you. He talks about it as water, symbolizes it as this fountain, this everlasting fountain of life. The Holy Spirit brings life to you. This is why he's like water, is because there's, there's so much life he brings into you. You know, your whole salvation, everything about when you meet Jesus is symbolized as your old man is gone and your new man has come. When you get water baptized, it's symbolic, again, water. It's symbolic of what? It's symbolic of the commitment that you made to Christ in your heart, that I'm dying to myself. I'm going into the grave. I'm dying. My old man is dying, and I'm coming to new life. And when you come out of the water as a new creature, it's symbolizing this commitment you made to Christ, this new life, this spirit that's inside of you that brings life into you. But you know, it's interesting, uh, just as 
many, many, many people, in fact, Jesus said this in the scriptures in Matthew chapter seven, he said, you know, many people know of me, but they don't know me. Many have cast out demons, many have done things in my name, but I'll look at them and say, I never knew them. See, it's not about knowing the name. It's not about knowing the Holy Spirit. We may know the scriptures that the Holy Spirit's gonna come, but Jesus said it's to your benefit that you understand the relationship you have with the Holy Spirit. It's to your benefit that you, you heed the lordship of the Holy Spirit. He's God. And it's so important that this life that Jesus died and rose from the grave and ascended to heaven and the Father in him sent you the Holy Spirit. It's so important that we understand this life, this, this wellspring of life that he talked about, that this spirit that I'm sending you is gonna bring this amazing new life that you've never experienced. Look, it's so important that all of us as believers, we embrace our relationship with the Holy Spirit. He is life to us. It's not some vague thing that you can't understand. He is, a, he is God, and he's revealing himself. He's guiding you to truth. He's guiding you to the word. That's what Jesus said. He'll come and he'll guide you into all truth. The Holy Spirit doesn't speak on his own authority. He speaks on the behalf of the Father and the Son, and he leads you to the word. The word is Jesus. The word is God. And the Holy Spirit is that life that I put inside of you, that wellspring of life that's constantly leading you to truth, to God, to this relationship this beautiful relationship. You know, we can ignore the Holy Spirit. Scripture says not to do that, not to squelch him, not to ignore him. But where would the life be? In John chapter seven, he says, we just read this, he said, but it's concerning the Spirit, believing in him who received the Holy Spirit would not be yet be given because he wasn't glorified. After Jesus was glorified, he sent life. He sent so much power. There's so much the Holy Spirit can do. We were talking earlier at Awaken about miracles. It's the Holy Spirit that does miracles. It's the Holy Spirit that does prophecy. It's the Holy Spirit that does healing. It's the Holy Spirit that does words of knowledge. It's him. Those are things you can't predict. Those are things that you can't make happen. It's because of him. That's who he is. He's God. He doesn't live in the world of uh, you know, living under, beneath the Look, he made everything, he's above everything. He can do the supernatural, he can do the miraculous, and you can't plan those things out, but what's beautiful is, is you have a relationship with the most high God that made everything and knows everything, and loves you, and knows you, and chooses to live inside of you. John chapter 6, 63 says this, it is the spirit who gives life, the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Jesus, again speaking, teaching us about how important the Holy Spirit is to you and to me. And now, maybe you're thinking, well, that's the New Testament, but have you ever seen this in the Old Testament? Ezekiel 36 says this, then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you'll be clean. Now he's not speaking about physical water. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, my judgments, and do them. This is a prophecy that he's speaking over all Israel. He's actually speaking to the Jews, but we're all part of, we've been grafted into this new covenant. Look, water it's a beautiful thing. Physical water is great. But water doesn't cleanse you. Not your sins, anyway. It may sustain life, but it doesn't give spiritual life. It doesn't give eternal life. 
The Holy Spirit's like water because in the same way we depend on water for everything, for electricity, for life, to sustain us day in and day out. The Holy Spirit's like water in the sense that he brings you life, eternal life, spiritual life. When Jesus said the kingdom will, the kingdom will come from heaven to earth, that's what's inside of you. Heaven is inside of you. The very life, right? One of the greatest scriptures we have, the very spirit that rose Christ from the dead is in you and me. Why wouldn't we want to know that God? Why wouldn't we want to have a relationship with that Lord? The Holy Spirit's like water because he brings a life that it's to our advantage that we understand. He brings a way to walk, a way to live, a way to love, a way to give that we can only understand as we know him. So he's like water because he brings a wellspring of life. He's also like oil. You ever studied oil in the Bible? What's oil? What, what does it symbolize? What's it say? Anointing. Some of you said chicken. That's good. <laughs> Fried chicken. We love that too. Anointing, right? Oil represents anointing in the Bible. A lot of times when they are anointing somebody, what do they do? They took a horn of oil and they would pour it over the head of a person, showing them that they're anointed. Now, the horn or the oil itself, the physical oil, didn't anoint the person. Right? It wasn't the oil that gave them destiny and purpose and plan. It was God. The oil was just a, was symbolic of saying, yes, God has chosen this person. I'm, I'm agreeing with God, what God's doing in this person. And so many times you'll see in the Bible, this is why he's like oil, is there's an anointing on people. There's an anointing on many people in the Bible. In fact, one of them is David. How many of you guys have ever read about David? Now, many, many people in the Bible have been anointed uh, for the work of God. But David's one of those in 1 Samuel. If you've never read this story, it's phenomenal. Uh, but David is, is a shepherd. He takes care of the sheep for the family. They all had roles in the family. Uh, and hopefully you do too with your kids. They have roles in the family. But David was a shepherd. He was over the sheep in the pasture. Well, there was a time when God said there's going to be a new king of Israel. Saul was the king. And he was being replaced because he wouldn't obey God. He wouldn't listen. He, wouldn't, he had many opportunities, but he wouldn't do it. So God was replacing Saul. And God spoke to Samuel and said, I want you to go to Jesse's house. It's going to be one of his kids. And Jesse lined up all of his kids except for David. David was out in the pasture. Now, he purposely didn't bring David to the, to the lineup. Now, that's a whole other series in itself of father wounds and things like that. But all his boys stood there. And Samuel looked at them and said, do you have another son? It's not any of these guys. And I'm sure those guys were dressed to the hilt. They, were, they went and worked out. They were looking good. But Samuel looked at them and said, none of them are the one. Do you have another son? And Jesse said, yeah, I got David. He's out in the shepherd right He's out in the, taking care of the sheep right now. And he said, well, go get him. And when David came, he said, that's the one. This will be the new king of Israel. And he took, well, he took a horn of oil and he anointed David. Down his hair. I mean, imagine, first of all, I'm sure dad... His gut was pretty upset, shocked. I'm sure the boys were shocked too. But look at what it says in 1 Samuel 16, 13. Look at this scripture. It says, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose and went to Ramah. 
So what happened to David? They poured oil over his head and what happened? I'm sure David always remembered this moment. I'm sure the oil, because it's messy and it was a special moment and all that. But what did he remember? Life came into him. The spirit came into him. In fact, David writes about this more than any other writer in the Old Testament. In fact, in Psalms, he talks about, uh, he pleads with God. He said, please don't take the spirit from me. Could you imagine that the Holy Spirit would come and go? You see, we live in the new covenant. The, the spirit comes into our lives. When we receive him, he'll come into our lives. And he'll never leave or forsake us. He's always with us. This is the temple. He, he remains within us. Sometimes, you know, I, I think about that for myself. Maybe, maybe you think about this. But sometimes you don't know how good it is until it goes away. And David was saying, God, that is so good. Please don't let him leave me again. This life that you came, this life that came on to me when I was a young boy. Now David was, uh, he was in his teenage years when he got anointed. So he would have been a young boy out in the, out in the sticks, racing sheep, 15. He had some amazing stories you can see in the scripture. I'm sure we just got a couple, but uh, the scripture records that David was so faithful and so good with the, the sheep. It says that he uh, beat up a bear with his bare hands. I don't feel very manly hunting anymore. And a lion with his bare hands. I mean, that's how good David was. He was all about protecting the flock. You know, Jesus is known as our good shepherd. We're known as sheep. And so David's got a beautiful life picture of this relationship that we can have with God, this relationship we can have with the Holy Spirit. The amazing part about David is when he was anointed in Psalm, or Samuel 16, how long did it take him until he became king? Was it the next day? Spiritually it was, but physically it took 15 years from the time he was anointed till he became king. Anybody, would you, any of you have been frustrated that your anointing was taking so long? David had many conversations with the Lord about this. Just read about it in Psalms. I'm sure there were moments, God, what happened to that anointing? Remember when you poured the oil on my head? What happened? Where is it? Instead, I've got Saul shooting arrows at me, trying to kill me. I mean, he had a lot of moments. This is what I love about anointing. Maybe, maybe, you, maybe God's called you. Maybe he's anointed you. Maybe you've heard that you have a calling, but you're in the waiting time. You're in the waiting season. You know, I knew I would lead a church someday. I always knew from early on. I, uh, I actually got saved in this church. I met Jesus right here in this church. I uh, got called into ministry in this church. I went, to, out of, went on a mission trip and got it confirmed and came back and became the youth pastor of this church. I started really walking in the destiny God called me. I had no idea, but God started revealing these anointings in my life. I had no idea. I had never read scriptures like that. I didn't really even know the Bible that well. But God was, it, look, none of that matters. God can still speak to us right where we are. And I knew pretty early on that someday I would lead a church. I, I don't know why it was. It's not like, you know, a lot of times in ministry, if you've ever been in ministry, it's like, well, youth pastor's just a stepping stone. I didn't see it that way. I was just being faithful with where I was. And, and through that, God just kept showing me more and more of the vision. And so I was the youth pastor here for probably six, seven years. And then uh, I started doing some assistant pastoral work. Well, I was still the interim youth pastor, but I still started doing all these other projects that my pastor would give me. In fact, the founding pastor that, was, that planted this church is, is the one that really uh, got affirmed the anointing and calling that God was calling me. So um, he retired. He, he decided, well, he didn't retire. He decided I needed a break. And he moved to Florida. 
And it was right in that, that season, around 2006, I just thought, uh, man, I, well, I think this is it. I think this is my moment. You know, I, just, I remember God putting that on my heart that I'd become a lead pastor someday. I just, maybe this is my moment, but it wasn't my time. You know, the, the greatest thing about anointings is I'm so thankful that God knows when the right moment is. I mean, he gave Joseph dreams at an early age. He gave David an anointing at an early age, but there are seasons of maturity. There are seasons of things that need to happen in our lives to prepare us for the anointing, but God's always faithful to fulfill the anointing. But there's moments where we need to grow and we need to develop and we need to mature. And so I remember uh, meeting with the elders and saying, you know, I thought this was my moment. And, um, and you know, sometimes with anointing, you try to make it happen. And maybe you're there, maybe you're trying, well, I remember and I'm, I'm trying to fight and I'm trying to make it happen. I had that season too. But then I remember very clearly after hearing the elders and, and many other counselors that I had around me just saying, you're not ready. I'm just saying I'm ready though. No, you're not ready yet. And so I went to Dallas for a short stint for about seven years. And that was a season in my life where God really grew me as a man of God, as a husband. I even stepped, I stepped out of ministry. I wasn't even, it wasn't even about that for me. I, I remember moving to Dallas saying, God, if you want me to lead a church, just show me. Teach me how to do it because I don't know. And so I started with this new church plant and uh, started that whole season. And, you know, seven years later, God reminded me of that my anointing, just saying, all right, now's your time. I never knew I'd come back to Westridge. I never knew I'd be here. But leading any other church in America, this is the only one I could think of because this is where I met the Lord and you guys are my family. And so God made many miracles happen for me to get here. But my point in saying that is maybe you're like David and you're in that waiting season. You need to know that God's always faithful. He hasn't forgotten what he told you. He hasn't forgotten that moment he showed you, that dream maybe you had. For me, that was eight years before it really happened. But I also had a dream years before then of what Westridge would like fully developed. And that messed with my head for many years. God, you showed me what the whole campus would look like, all the people in it, and what, what Westridge would look like. You showed me that years ago, almost 10 or 11 years ago now. And we're still not there. God's still growing me, he's still growing us. But he'll be faithful, I'm not worried about that. So don't get frustrated in the waiting. There's purpose and there's meaning behind the waiting. Know that God will be faithful. So David, that's David's story, that's my story. Let me tell you about Jesus' story. Again, the oil, Holy Spirit is like oil. Look at Luke chapter four. I had you turn there and kind of mark your Bibles, but Luke chapter four, Jesus talks about his anointing. If you remember, last week we talked about him being baptized. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were all there. The Holy Spirit came upon the Lord like a dove. And here's Jesus right after that responding. Look at this. Verse 18, he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He's sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim the liberty of the captives, to recover the sight of the blind, and to set liberty to those who are oppressed. And if you're new with us, this is where we get our mission statement, to see people healed, saved, set free, empowered, and serving. Because Jesus' anointing and notice what it says. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he, who's he? Who's he? Who anointed Jesus? The Holy Spirit did. That's right. Notice how he recognized the value and the importance of the Holy Spirit in his life. 
The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Who's the poor? Not financially poor. People that don't know God. We were once poor, weren't we? He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. I'm sure many of you have come to Jesus with a broken heart, haven't you? We have hurts, we have pains. Do you know Jesus came? His anointing was to heal you, to save you, to proclaim liberty to the captives. Some of us have been captives to the same sin for years. For years. Some of us have been captive to the ideas and the influence of the enemy for years. Now, we, we may not say it that clearly. We would just say, oh, it's just a little problem. It's been 20 years, but it's just a small problem I've had. You know, Jesus came to set you free. And you can be free indeed. He came to save, he came to heal, he came to free. He came to recover the sight of the blind. Is he talking about the physical blind? Sure, he can heal the physical blind, but he's talking about us that can see but can't see. He's talking to me and you. He's talking to the apostle Pauls of the world that can see but they can't see. They're blind. And to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Those that are so squashed and oppressed by the enemy he can set you free. That was Jesus' anointing. That's what he was called to do. And after he left, look at what Acts chapter 10, this is what Paul writes about Jesus. Or actually, Luke actually writes about it, but this is what he says. The word you knew, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began in Julie and Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Look what went on. Jesus' anointing. Jesus was anointed to heal and save and set free, and here they are after Jesus ascended. They remember, God did it. His anointing keeps going. Let me tell you something really important as we wrap up. I believe each one of you have an anointing. Every one of you in this room has a calling, has a purpose, has a destiny. The anointing isn't for the special elect, for the special few. Sure, some of us have a, uh, maybe have, have a destiny or purpose that God's given to us that maybe is seen by more, but it doesn't mean that you don't have a plan or a purpose. In fact, Jeremiah 29 says that, right? You have, God has a plan and a purpose to bless you, not to harm you. It goes on to say in the next verse or two, it says, and he'll reveal it to those that seek him. Look, the Holy Spirit's like oil because he's anointed you. Just like he anointed Jesus. Just like he anointed David. He's anointing you. David was a sheep herder. How many of you guys heard sheep? About the same response I got first service. There wasn't one hand. We really don't understand it, but David understands about sheep. In fact, here's a picture. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but uh, I learned this as I was doing my research. They would pour oil over the sheep's head. You want to know why they did that? I didn't know either. I, it was actually, I was doing my research. I saw it, and then I saw it on Facebook, and I'm like, okay, well, it's got to be from God, so I just got to give it to you. But I'm just kidding. 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 You know the, inter- you know the internet's always true. Always true. But here's, here's what shepherds actually say. The blowfly is a real concern to a shepherd. 
It's because of the weakness and death. It causes the weakness and death of afflicted animals. The flies, they lay eggs on the sheep. And within 24 hours, the larvae penetrate the skin and multiply. And soon, the sheep is poisoned. Sheep would be so overwhelmed and afflicted, would be so great that they'd beat their heads on a rock. Sometimes even a death. Shepherds would see a sheep distressed by this affliction, but thankfully there's a treatment that's called backlining. And an an appropriate ointment is poured on the animal's head and along its back. Now today we have modern day chemicals and anointments, but this is what they would do in the Old Testament. David would literally, as a shepherd, take his sheep that's inflected with these blowflies and he'd pour the oil over the head of the head of the sheep, but they would shear it first, and then they'd pour the head over the uh, oil over the head and the back. Probably blowflies flying all around it while he's doing it. These sheep were so afflicted, they'd smack their head up against the wall. Have you ever had one of those moments? <laughs> up against a rock, you're so frustrated, you're so afflicted, you're in so much anxiety. Again, this is just a symbol, but David would have known. When he wrote Psalm 23, he would have been thinking about this moment. The anointing of the, of the sheep would bring protection. It would bring healing. It would release them from oppression. And look, listen what David says in Psalm 23. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You can read all Psalm 23. It's one of the most popular Bible verses out there. You bring me to still waters and green pastures. Who do you think he's, you think a shepherd's talking about sheep? And he's also talking about his relationship with God. And he said, look, the Holy Spirit will protect you. It's like oil over your head. And I love, I love the illustration that he's sitting at the table with who? His enemies and God. And in front of the face of his enemies, God anoints him. Now, not with physical oil, but the Holy Spirit comes inside of David. In front of his enemies, there's blowflies flying all around the sheep. And in front of the blowflies, he anoints it. The enemy flees. It's over. Healing. Setting free. Freedom comes to the sheep. David sitting at the table with his enemies. The Holy Spirit anoints David in in front of the devil himself. You know, a lot of times we look at our destiny, we look at our anointing, we look at our calling, and we justify that it's been derailed because of the enemy. No. The only person that fulfills your anointing is God himself. And he's never been wrong. I don't care what you're going through, what your mishap is, what your mistake is, keep seeking God. Draw back to God. And in front of your enemies, the Lord will say, that's my son, that's my daughter. I've called him to do this great work. I don't care what you do, enemy, he's mine. Nothing will snatch him out of my hands. Nothing will snatch him out of my father's hands. This is my son. This is my daughter. Look, I wanted to close. If you're here today, maybe you don't know what your anointing is. Can we extend our faith to you? Can we pray for you? But just be open to say, God, I want to know. I want to hear. I promise you God will speak to you. He'll show you. I believe it could be this morning. You hear your anointing. You hear your calling. Now, when that's fulfilled, what that season looks like, I can't tell you that. But I can emphatically say God is always faithful. Every anointing, every calling, every person, every plan, every purpose he's ever dictated in someone's life has happened. He's never been wrong. 
If you're here today and you're in the waiting series, you're like David, maybe you're just waiting. Maybe maybe you gave up. You remember it, but you're like, well, it's been so long ago. I think maybe God is just not gonna fulfill it. God will fulfill it. And maybe he's reminding you today of that moment. Maybe he's reminding you of what he said many years ago. I'm sure David had to look back and go, God, thank you for sending Samuel. Now thank you for that moment. I'm sure he had to look back and he had to remember. And maybe this is your moment this morning. Would you stand to your feet? I just want to pray for you. If you extend a hand to the Holy Spirit right now, just come on, lift your hands up. Open your hearts. Open your eyes. Let's not go into this seeing but not seeing. Let's open our eyes and our hearts and our minds and say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Show me. God, I want that wellspring of life. Maybe you've just been going through the motions. Look, it's time to choose Him. It's time to dwell. It's time to, it's time to heed into the Holy Spirit. It's time to look to that relationship. Maybe you don't have any joy in your life. Look, choose joy. That's the very fruit of the Spirit is joy. Maybe you need peace. That's who He is. Maybe you need love. That's who He is. Kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. I don't care what it is. He's here. He's in you got to make a choice to worship him and to honor him to exalt him if you're here this morning and man you just you're in the waiting of that anointing you don't know when you don't know how you're not even sure why God gave you that but just talk to him right there during this song I want you to talk to him I want you to lift your voice to him look come pray come in agreement we would love to extend our faith to you we'd love to agree with you pray with you If you're here today and you don't know, you don't even know how to do this thing. Maybe you need to be saved. Look right there. Receive Jesus. Just say, Jesus, I'm sorry for the way I've lived. I'm sorry for my sins, but I need to walk a new life. I need this old man to die, and I need this new life that I heard today. Look, there's nothing special in my hands and my words. You just got to make that profession. As Romans 10 says, make it come out of your mouth, and God will meet you right there. He'll save you. Holy Spirit will come to you. Ask, receive. He'll come. Life will come. Lord, we thank you. And Lord, if there's anybody here that just doesn't know how, they feel like God's calling them, but they just don't know how. Lord, I was like that. I needed to hear it from other people. I remember sitting in Peru with pastors praying over me in Spanish. And it was in that moment I received it. It was in that moment that I heard it. So like me, maybe you need to unite your heart with somebody else. Come and pray. Lord, we're thankful for what you're doing. In Jesus' mighty name, everyone said, amen. Look, we're going to worship, but we're going to have our teams come up for prayer. If you want prayer, you can come at any time. You're not disrupting. Come up for prayer. But if you want to worship and just take a moment, then do that. Whenever you're ready to pray, just come. We love you guys. Let's worship.